You're listening to sermons from Christ the Savior Orthodox Church. We're a small but growing mission of the Orthodox Church in America, currently meeting in Brewer, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for service, but until then, here's Father Scott with this week's sermon. unto all, and to your spirit. from the Holy Gospel according to the Evangelist, St. Matthew. Glory to thee, O Lord, glory to thee. Let us attend. The Lord said this parable, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come to the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise, and the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all as many as they found, both good and bad, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment, and he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, and few are chosen. The Lord said, No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son to the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. So today we stand at the, in the church calendar at the beginning of the new year with the first of our two feasts upon us, the Nativity of the Theotokos, which feast we're still in. And then also we look towards the church's designated Sunday as the Sunday of the Precious Cross. And so on Wednesday night, we'll have a vestal liturgy to celebrate the Precious Cross and we'll be able to sing our, one of our favorite songs, Before Thy Cross, we bow down and worship, O Master. And so it is that we 
think about the cross as we turn our eyes towards Wednesday night. In the Gospels today and in the Epistle today, there's reference to the cross. In our Epistle, the Lord, speaking to the Apostle Paul, says this. And Paul writes this, I think, in a way that is very important for us to get. He says this, I wouldn't glory in anything else except the cross. He's referring to those before that he spoke of that would glory in making a man a Jew by having him circumcised. Or maybe in some other thing of the flesh. But Paul said, nothing in the flesh will I glory in. Nothing in this earthly life will I glory in. But I'll glory in the cross. It seems like a strange statement to us when we look at it. Because we live in this world. But Paul said, I glory in the cross. Something that's different than the world. Paul said, I glory in the cross. Not in circumcision or anything in the flesh, but the cross. For at the cross... Everything comes together. The sins of man, hatred, murder, adultery, thieving, lying, violence, war, all the sins of men are there at the cross. But also there at the cross is the incredible love of God. And glory to God, God's love won out over our sin. And we see that because Christ arose from the dead. The gospel says that the Lord was killed, he was buried, and he rose again for our sin. And so successfully he rose, and he opened the way to heaven for flesh and blood, like you and me, to be in the heavenly places with him. The devil's defeated. Death's defeated. Sin, man's sin, as great as it was, is defeated at the cross. The cross is so great. It was lifted up on that day in Calvary. And so we commemorate that cross today. In our gospel in John chapter 3, some famous verses are there. Matter of fact, some of these verses are so famous that football players, I remember Tim Tebow used to put under his eyes, John 3.16. If you remember that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That verse is in this passage. Great passage. Nothing wrong with John 3.16. They're all. It's a great passage. And on this day, Nicodemus comes to the Lord in our gospel. He comes by night. Nicodemus was an incredibly powerful man in the world. He had everything in the world. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, the highest council of the Jews and the Pharisees. It said he was so wealthy that the citizens of Jerusalem, all of them, could feast at his table for decades. So wealthy was he, and yet so frightful was he, and so attached to the things of the world was he that he came to Jesus by night in curiosity to ask him about life eternal. And Jesus spoke to him that day. He came to Jesus by night in the midst of this discourse. Jesus talks to him about the centrality of the cross and the centrality of saving faith in what happened around the cross. Everything that surrounds the cross, Jesus said, was saving. And so Nicodemus was there, and the Lord teaches us about his death, burial, and resurrection centered on the cross, and how important it is that faith in this can save. It can save everyone. It can save the poor. It can save the young. It can save the student. It can save the old man. It can save the rich man. And as we heard in other places in the gospel, how difficult it is for a rich man to be saved. 
as hard as it was for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. The Lord said it was for a rich man to be saved. And here was the richest of the rich in front of him, hearing the message of how anyone can be saved if they'll only believe in the cross. It wasn't just in the cross as a piece of wood, but it was everything that led up to the cross. It was all the teachings of the glorious Lord. It was all the miracles that we celebrated in sermons in the past few weeks. How he showed up and healed and fed 5,000, 4,000. He brought people that were dropped through the roof up and they rose up from their beds of sickness. The Lord's entire life was reviewed by men at the cross and they crucified him. But he died for the sins of all those that crucified him, as well as for us that would follow in their stead. And when he died, he didn't just stay on the cross. All his life was judged by men. He was slain, put in a tomb, and three days later he rose. There's no other faith that celebrates a risen man that went to heaven, that died for them. And so it is that we celebrate the cross in that context. Jesus teaches us how important it is today by his own lips. And he says, speaking of his own priority before men, that there was nobody like him. There was no prophet. A few had gone up to heaven in the whirlwind like Elijah, right? Enoch was translated. He walked with God and he was not. But no man came down from heaven and then ascended. And no man, while he was descending and ascending, was still in heaven. Jesus is unique. He's greater than a man alone. He's God and he's man. He's both. He's fully God and fully man, as the church teaches so clearly. And there it was that Jesus, when he spoke of the cross, and he spoke of himself, and he spoke of salvation, he spoke not just as a prophet, but above a prophet as God. On the Transfiguration Feast, the Lord's glory was manifest. He was shown, speaking with Moses and Elijah, the great prophet Moses, who we'll talk about in this message a little bit more. He was speaking with them and transfigured in his glory while he was in the flesh. Jesus was never just what we could see. Don't forget, he was fully man. And as such, we could see him, we could touch him, we could hear him, we could listen to him, we could feel him. But he was also God all the time while he was a man. And so it was on a transfiguration, he was open, and there was this theophany, God being seen as man. Jesus was never just a man walking on this earth. He was always God. He was always in a place of the kingdom. He never left. And so it was that Jesus sets forth his uniqueness, and he brings us to a reference to this prophecy of the book of Numbers. How many of you, by a show of hands, have understood and read this passage in Numbers about the Lord lifting up Moses, the serpent? Just raise your hand if you're familiar with the passage. There are quite a few of you. Well, we'll read the passage because it's very brief. But it's an important passage because this passage, this prophecy that the Lord refers to and applies to himself as being fulfilled in him, very important because it shows a miracle of God, a revelation of God where God shows himself to men. This is the beginning of salvation, my brothers and sisters. God must show himself to us. He's hidden otherwise. He's inscrutable. He's unknown. He's invisible. And so unless he shows himself, we don't see him. And so it was that Jesus refers to this great event and applies it to himself for fulfillment. And here's what it says in the book of Numbers. The children of Israel were journeying in their 40 years in the wilderness. And on their journey, they came to a place where this event occurred. And I'll read from Numbers chapter 21. It says they journeyed the children of Israel from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. 
And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there water. And our soul loathed this light bread. That was the man that God was putting down for heaven, from heaven every day to feed him. They loathed it. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people. And much people of Israel died because of their sin. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. What a beautiful story. But what a beautiful, true history of the children of Israel and of sinful people. God said, if you're bitten by sin, which is the, what the serpent is a type of, if you're bitten by sin, if you're plagued by sin, you need to look at something that I provide. It's going to lift it up on a pole. And so in this case, he showed him and taught him to the serpent and the brass serpent on the stick there that was set up like a cross. But if you looked at that, if you did it in faith, you looked at what I told you to do in faith, you'd be healed. I'm sure that if you did the calculation and you were bitten by the serpent and only had a few minutes left before you passed away, you might think it was foolishness to go out of your way to go look at a brazen serpent on a pole. That's where the faith came in. You needed to do what God said to do. As odd as it might seem, as miraculous as it might seem, as strange and out of the way as it might seem, you needed to just obey God. When God spoke, God meant what he said. And if you did it, you were saved. You might say, Father, what about the ones that didn't look? They died. Well, this is what Jesus says about himself. He says, as in the same manner that Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man himself be lifted up. He says here that he's going to be lifted up. He's pointing us to the cross that he's going to be on, which was prefigured in the Old Testament. And by this miracle, he's going to save people, just like those were saved from the bite of snakes, the bite of sin in the Old Testament. Jesus was going to save. And then he says this, he says that whosoever, that he says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's why he's going to the cross. He wanted to give eternal life to us, to whoever would look. That whosoever believed in should not perish but have eternal life. That was the purpose of the cross. That was why Jesus went to the cross. That those who went and looked at the cross in faith would be saved. What was this look? In the Old Testament, people looked and they were healed. They came and looked upon that serpent. And to get there, it took faith and belief in God's word. God, through the prophet Moses, said, Go look at the serpent. You're dying and you'll live. And if you did, and you believe that, you went out of your way, you looked at the serpent, and you were healed. In the same manner that physical life was given, eternal life is given through the cross. It's the fulfillment of the promise that was given. There's healing at the cross. This look then was to physical life, 
Now we look at the cross for eternal life. And if we look at faith and faith there, we go to the cross and we see it in faith the right way, then we can be saved. We can have eternal life. All the effects of sin, all the damage and destruction of this world that have cleaved to us that we've committed can be washed away. And we can be healed. And there's a path open for us. That life is what God offered us at the cross. In the same manner that Moses gave relief from the serpent bite. The reason why this all happens. You know, when you think about the cross, it's easy to forget what happened at the cross. As I said earlier, everything that Jesus did in his life was beautiful. It was healing. It was loving. It was miraculous. It was good. And yet, he was put to death on the cross. And it says that God so loved the world that he sent his own, only, only begotten son to the cross to die for you while you were yet a sinner. This is the beauty of the cross. That God's love there met all the sin of mankind that ever was committed and ever will be committed. And his love triumphed. For though man put Jesus to death and our sin put him on the cross, he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. He opened the way up for us. God's great love was beyond our great sins. And the cross is a place where everything came together. The cross is a great thing. He says God didn't send his son into the world to condemn you, to condemn the world. It would have been easy to do. If I'd been God, I probably would have fallen down on the wrong side. Because when you look around in the world, isn't it filled with sin? Isn't it a dark place? Some places it's darker than others. In the Ukraine, in Russia right now, there's a lot of war going on. There's a lot of death. Maybe it's more obvious than it is here, where people are destroying themselves with drugs and pride and slumber and sleep and lack of love for God and lack of love for his provisions like the Israelites of old who complained about the bread that God gave them. So sad. But he didn't send us. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn us. It seems like that sometimes. God's harsh. He's unforgiving. He doesn't care. He's distant. He's unloving. But that's not the case at all. Just look at what he did at the cross. He sent his son there for you to die. It wasn't a pleasant event. It wasn't a pleasant event at all. But really God sent the son of the world that through him we could be saved. This is the beauty of the cross. That instead of a hate for man and vengeance upon man, God loved the world. And he sent, sent his only son himself. He came to the cross and he died for you. Not wanting that anybody should perish. But that everybody would come to repentance. Every single person. That's God's call. That's God's desire. That's the cross seen in its fullness. Never be ashamed of the cross. The cross is a symbol of Christianity for a good reason. Because at the cross, everything came together. All of God's goodness, all of his love, the perfection of Jesus Christ, his son, for 33 years on this earth. All that history brought him to the cross. And all that teaching was there for us. He came to the cross and he was crucified on the cross brutally. He went into the tomb and he rose and then he went to heaven. The beauty of everything come together right in the center of the cross. I'm holding a cross. There's a cross in that altar. There's a cross on the wall. There should be a cross in your home. You should sign yourself with the sign of a cross even when you're in public. Never be ashamed of the sign of the cross. Never be ashamed of the cross. Paul said, I'll glory in the cross. I won't glory in anything else. 
I think Nicodemus says that too. I think all the saints say that. And I think that many that haven't done what duty they had to give to God, honor for this cross, they regret today. Deeply. Well, never be ashamed of the cross. It's a sign of your salvation. It's where everything came together. And believing in the cross, whosoever believes in him who hung on that cross is believing in everything that he taught and everything that he did and everything about who he was that we teach so frequently here in this building. God came and he loved the world. He gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, have everlasting life. That's a promise of God. Just as sure as that you look at the serpent and you live. You look at this cross. You look at this cross and you believe about the man that died on there, that he was God, you can be saved. This is what God's great offer is, and his love for mankind. See his rising from the tomb, his victory over the cross. See his ascension into heaven. Sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty forever and ever, pleading with you today to come to the cross of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can listen to more sermons and learn more about us by visiting our website at orthodoxmaine.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God be with you.